Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're covering Season 2, Episode 2, Morty Night Run. Here's Aaron with the recap. Morty has moral qualms with Rick selling weapons to an assassin on a no-questions-asked, cash-money basis. Deciding he wants to stop the murder from taking place, he rescues a gaseous being with powerful telepathic and transmutic properties that was marked for death. In doing so, he is responsible for the deaths of hundreds, if not thousands, of Federation and Gear World citizens and almost the extinction of all sentient carbon-based life in the galaxy. In the end, Morty is forced to kill the cloud being to prevent a galactic genocide. Meanwhile, Jerry has stowed along for this adventure, but Rick wants to ditch him when things heat up. Enter the Jerry Beree, a romper room-inspired daycare center for Ricks to stash unwanted Jerrys for an afternoon or the rest of their natural lifespans, whichever is most convenient. Jerry is forced to reconcile his feelings of humiliation and inadequacy with the very real feelings of comfort and security that Jerry Beree provides. All right, Aaron, what do you think of this episode? I think this episode is funny. Uh, it provokes a lot of thoughts on, you know, concepts like nihilism. Uh, it's got some beautiful animation sequences. It introduces the concept of the Jerry Beree. Uh, I mean, what's not like the like? I even like some of the smaller moments where Rick's teaching Morty how to drive, and Jerry's in the back seat, and Jerry pipes up randomly, and Rick's like, "Whoa, Jesus, Jerry!" <laughs> like it's he completely forgot that he was there. Yeah. And then the the Jerry mix up at the end. It just it's an it's another brick bat of an episode to Jerry. And the concept of Jerry. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's definitely uh, there's definitely a lot of things I want to talk about when it comes to Jerry. What do you think of the episode? Yeah, I, I think it's the funniest of the season, which is to say a little bit funnier than the previous one. <laughs> right. Now that we're in episode two, uh, the season so far, I should say. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy this one. I think the way that they've integrated these musical sequences into the episode it's it sort of works perfectly with the the fart character because it's a tele- telepathic character mm-hmm. uh and so it gets inside your head and it kind of makes you feel like this is the only thing going on same with kind of that video game that they're playing uh and and i felt myself like falling into that when i was watching these scenes and jermaine clement is so good yeah uh but when i was watching these musical scenes when Rick snaps Morty out, he's snapping me out too. Because right, I'm right. I'm in the zone, man, watching this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's so trippy and cool. Uh and then it just like of course the lowbrow humor is there. Like Rick's fart joke at the end. I loved it. I laughed out loud. Uh yeah, really funny one. And like you said, there's there's something else here. There's there's more to it than that. Uh and of course Jerry as a punching bag is always fun. Yeah. Uh something I wanted to get into like the deeper discussion is the what I would call again nihilism that kind of is victorious over Morty's kind of naive optimism, and that it, the, the show uses that as kind of like two foils. Like Rick is this cynical pragmatic pragmatist nihilist, and Morty is just you know like I said a neat naive optimist. Um, you know, a part of me wants to say it's that's that's part of what makes the show funny. It's this is kind of like a black humor. It's not you know really intended in, in that cutting kind of commentary. But we're literally paid to tear these things apart and examine <laughs> them in minute detail. So why not? Um, yeah. 
What is the on a galactic scale? Oh what is the argument against just apathy? What There's is the not a lot. what is the argument for just like sitting there? If you find something uh-huh. that can divert you for a few seconds of this life and give you happiness, like Roy, or like sitting next to a big head mascot version of your wife on the couch, mm-hmm. what what what? Give give me a logical argument against that. I think the only thing I can come up with is the societal one, like the the abject misery of everybody working for their own interests all the time uh, and the life that that would create for everyone involved, uh, except for maybe a lucky handful of people, is just so terrifying uh, and so horrible that I couldn't imagine living in that yeah. that world, yeah. that, that universe, you know? Because what happens when someone takes away your, your uh, Roy game? Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, those moments I think are would be fleeting in a, in a universe set up like that. So, yeah, I, I think there's there's a logical argument to be made that doing things in a certain way, in a more organized and sensible fashion, makes everyone's experience here better, including your own, uh, or or has the potential to. Certainly, it it increases the odds of you having a better experience overall. But you can also just fuck things up royally by trying. You know, yeah, and, and I mean that like, is the story. Like, of this like, episode, like you're certainly. feeling actual guilt over the times you fucked up versus mm-hmm. the theoretical guilt for not fulfilling your uh, your duties to the societal compact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I mean that's what this episode deals with. I feel like I don't know. Nihilism is a tough thing because I think nihilism is is a pretty correct way to view the the universe. It's the like, way the, the universe, universe doesn't set get up, for sure. Like like right. whoever was configuring the the seed world in this particular version of Minecraft uh definitely went heavy on the nihilism. There doesn't appear to be any purpose. So I just got to dig till I hit obsidian. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. Until, okay. until the creeper eventually comes and blows your ass up. Cool. I everything you built, everything you've worked on. That's a pretty straightforward mission statement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, it's 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 almost like um the optimists are uh breaking the game. They're like playing outside. They they found a way to exploit the game to derive an artificial meaning from it. But I I guess that's the argument against nihilism is that it seems like the way we were randomly created by this unfeeling cold universe and the way we evolved makes us happier when we work together mm-hmm. for for you know common shared happiness rather than maximizing our individual self-interest um yeah cuz uh, i mean if if but, nobody but, worked together we wouldn't have the society we live in today and right. granted that's working better for some people than others yeah but i think ultimately it's working you know, at least a, a minimum level of good for everyone. Like yeah. the idea that you have running water and electricity yeah. makes your life a hundred times easier yeah. every single day. And we wouldn't have those things if we didn't work together. Yeah. I mean, it, but it's, it's, it's tough because you're not going to look through a microscope and see that inscribed on an atom. Sure. You know, there's yeah. like not a universal cooperation field that we're going to discover. And it's like, Oh, well, of course it's, it's <laughs> almost like, that. yeah. And, and, you know, it's tough because you know there's a lot of moral hazard to that. Like everybody works together and maximizes everyone's like common interest, then there the loophole there is there will always probably be people like Ricks that mm-hmm. come and be like, oh well, if you you fucking idiots, you sheep are going to do this for me anyway. Yeah. Then I'll do nothing because there's no penalty for it. Sure. The only penalty for doing nothing arises when like a certain percentage of the population all do that, and then the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. So as long as you get in the game early. Yeah. The, the doing nothing game early, you're pretty yeah. good. Go off the grid. Yeah. There you go. Let's tear up that social security card. Yeah. 
That's the only way. To take Hope you don't like running off. water and electricity. <laughs> take this thing off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's that is pretty funny. The the whole concept of Roy and how Morty mm-hmm. plays it just as a straightforward person. And oh man, the the confusion as he steps out of there. It's like, oh my god, where's my wife? Where's my child? And <laughs> who am I? Yeah, and Rick just immediately goes in and starts, you know, trying to power. You know, I, I'm he's playing like a min maxer in D and D. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I. And I find myself getting, like, really wrapped up in that game, too. Mm -hmm. Like, when they go for, you know, two minutes inside the game, I start to forget that this isn't just the episode that I'm going to be watching for the next half hour. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's it's so, man, those type of fantasies are so compelling. Because, like, I tend to play video games more or less as a paladin. I don't like playing evil plots out. But I'd be lying if I said I never made a save in skyrim just to fuck a town up yeah and then i'm going to read i'm going to undo that so i could be the good guy again of course, <laughs> of course. but it was it was fun it was fun fuss rotoring all the things um ah. speaking of uh g- gaming and and fucking shit up mm-hmm. this this michael sam fishering everybody so cool on his way into this facility is yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah and i love how like it's this show is so great at doing like dualities of characters because Chromopulous, Chromopulous Michael is kind of like, hey, you know, he's very friendly and yeah. he's got this elaborate, looks like spiritual routine he does. And then he takes out his little locket that has his wife and he wraps it up carefully and kisses it. And then it's like, <laughs> you know, almost like this, like, yeah, like you could see like Worf doing something like this in mm-hmm. Star Trek, this very noble character. And then he stands up and says, oh boy, time to kill again. And he's just so fucking good at it. <laughs> Like the the one I love the best is when he like laser cuts a thing under the floor. You think he's gonna break into something, but it's just to drop a guy into his headlock so he can snap his neck. Yeah, it's great. It's 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 pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, Chromopolis Michael is is interdimensional Sam Fisher. What is it about Rick that he doesn't seem like he's ashamed of his worldview and he thinks it's a logical outcome? But he's still extremely defensive. Like, anytime Morty's like, oh, I don't know, Grandpa, we're meeting in this shady garage. He goes on this whole tangent about, accurate tangent, about like, oh, mm-hmm. what about corporate boardrooms? Like, Your Grandpa does his business out in the open because he's not shady. But he's meeting an assassin there to yeah. to do a no-questions-asked deal for weapons and assassinations. Like, um, I mean, it's really funny, but is there anything they're suggesting beyond it? Just the, the, the Rick trying to keep up the motions and being caught up in his own lies and... Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question considering someone with that worldview wouldn't care uh, or shouldn't care. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it all goes back to his relationship with Morty. Like, you know, every, everything that Rick says, he believes to some degree, but he also believes other things that contradict those things mm-hmm. um, or that or that make him incapable of fully acting on those other beliefs. Right. Uh, and I think his fondness for his grandson is one of those things. Yeah. I wonder if he'll ever, like, there'll be a point where they lose that, where, like, you know, uh, Morty will call him on the moral carpet, and he'll be just like, come on, look, Morty, it's, it's season five. What, <laughs> what, what what the hell do you want me to say? Like, or, yeah. uh, or will Rick, you know, continue to have, like, moments like last episode where he shows self-sacrifice to where he's going yeah. to kind of be caught in his own contradiction there? It's, it's a good question, and I, I couldn't help but in this episode see, look at Rick's actions and question whether or not he's becoming meaner is is mm, rick becoming mm-hmm. more of an asshole because every every time i see rick and morty interacting in this episode morty does something 
that M- Morty does or says something that proves Rick, you know, Rick's worldview is kind of shitty. Right. And then Rick comes back and is like, he's he's sort of like gives Morty that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he comes back and he calls him like a motherfucker and yeah. like like really lays into him hard this episode. Yeah. Uh, just calling him like stupid and and I don't know, heart saving carpet store motherfucker, like <laughs> uh, hilarious stuff, but but very mean, very angry yeah. stuff. And that's not something I remember seeing a ton from Rick. I wonder if it's in because it's really Morty? hitting him close to like yeah. he's got, he knows he's got I got no no defense other than into the appeal of the void on this one right and it's making me mad it's making me uncomfortable you know it's it's like I could see being it would be kind of a terrifying tightrope to see yourself on if you're if you're writing a character like Rick because um, you know like we both like Better Call Saul mm-hmm. uh, it's about a guy who it's a prequel to a guy who we know ends up being a pretty terrible amoral person yeah. but he starts off you know pretty likable uh, you know wrong side of the tracks kind of story uh, one of the few complaints I have about the show is that like, it does seem like at the end of each season they want to have a mini arc of him becoming an asshole and then they retcon it mm-hmm. or they, they, they steer him back as like oh we're not you know once he beca- Jimmy becomes Saul story's over right. so we need to force him back and I wonder, because the way that this stuff is going on in Rick and Morty feels like a lot more natural and more organic and just kind of relationship-oriented. And one of the things, you know, you see in relationships and people that are going through recovery process is it's not like you go from like, oh, I'm rock bottom, and then you climb up to the peak of the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. You fall back down into the valleys. So yeah. there's like a built-in way for Rick to kind of, and Morty himself, to kind of like pendulum back and forth between moral gray zones and a not like it'd be still defensible because like well yeah rick said this and this but like he's under this type of pressure in this episode and that's a trigger for him sure uh, yeah like you could see 10 seasons of that <laughs> yeah especially with characters <laughs> that don't age and all that stuff. right like, yeah. yeah it's like like have all the emotional resonant realism and relationship developments but none of the aging uh, or any of the changing careers or places you live or things like that. Yeah, and I think importantly, like, these characters are simply vessels for the writers to tell their stories, right? Yeah. And so they, if they want to tell a whole lot of different stories because these people are, you know, nuanced, real human beings, they can't just have this one phase of growth. They mm-hmm. need to have multiple phases. Like, you're talking about those valleys you fall back into. Uh, that strikes me as incredibly real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, it's one of the one of the reasons I appreciate this show so much. You know, the other thing is like, aside from falling into the valley, there's also times I think that you climb a peak that you really can't sustain. Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Like if you're <laughs> like, I'm gonna sell all my worldly possessions and meditate on top of a mountain about world peace. <laughs> God damn, it's cold up here. And yeah, you're six months into it, and it's like, God damn it, I'm gonna kill myself if I <laughs> if if I if I have to chant one more. Uh, whatever whatever they are uh it so it's like there's also that where like you have to find your own like what is a level of commitment to self and society that you can stain over a long period of time because otherwise it's kind of like uh you know fad dieting it, right it's, it's actually unhealthier in the long term to wrap the swing between two big weight extremes than to just find okay here's the part where i'm not an asshole but maybe i'm not a fucking saint either yeah, um, and I feel like that isn't often glorified in media. Yeah, you know, it's finding it, your place, right? Especially when you look at shorter uh, form stuff like movies, you'll always see the character just kind of 
go from rock bottom yep. to living on top of the world. And maybe if it's a certain structure, they'll hit rock bottom again at the end. Right, yeah. Or 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 very close to it. But yeah, those those compressed stories kind of encourage us to think in those terms, mm-hmm. and that's not how people work. Yeah, it's not a strictly linear process. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, the, the Jamboree or the Jerry Jamboree? Jamboree, yeah, let's do it. Uh, there's a lot of really funny things in the minutia here. Like the, if you freeze on the drop off form, uh, there's an option to drop off like forever. Oh, I, I did. Yeah. It was, gr- it was great. And documenting physical damage that uh, Rick had just literally shaded out <laughs> Jerry's entire head, which could imply that he's just busted up yeah. in the looks department. He's busted up in the brains department. Um, but I I feel like that you can almost say I I, I kind of hit on something in the uh, synopsis where I said that he's caught between his feelings of humiliation and inadequacy between and also the realization that like damn this life this is kind of set up for me to be as happy as I can possibly be mm-hmm. I'm getting all of my needs met except for maybe the illusory feeling of freedom and I try that and it's like oh. It yeah, hurts his bliss. <laughs> no, I found it funny that Jerry couldn't deal with Rick's every day. Like he he walks out into this world and there are crazy aliens and yeah. people approaching him in the streets and exploding. And uh, Jerry immediately turns around, tucks his tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas that's just Rick's every day. Sure. I wonder. But, but yeah, the, the other thing on the form, the reason for drop off. I have to question. There, there are four options: Earth under siege, mm-hmm. uh, threatened to tell Beth unwanted stowaway and annoying me i have to wonder if annoying me ever goes unchecked <laughs> right yeah <laughs> like it's every always, time it's always cormund mobund with all the other things too yeah yeah it should just come with a check uh-huh. uh, with a pre-checked yeah <laughs> and then what and then you know the the other ui tweak would be like why have it at all if it's a universal exactly. option yeah um i think that it's interesting because i was watching this i'm like geez how can you how can you defend any kind of like Jerry defense? Uh, how can you mount any kind of Jerry defense with an episode like this? And I was thinking that the one thing is this is a filter that negatively selects the most submissive, weak, uh, security-seeking Jerry's. Right? That's true. You like don't the see Jerry's the Jerry blows out that door and's like, you know what? I'm not going to get freaked out by every little sound I hear in the night. I'm not going to like be weirded out. I'm going to put my. Sh- I'm going. I can fucking figure this out. Uh, this is the same kind of like Jerry that finds a backbone and a shotgun and can kill his way through Cronenberg uh, wasteland. Like, yeah. But it does say that our Jerry probably is not the Jerryest of Jerry. No, I. Mm, yeah, I mean, we could have a whole debate on the Jerryest Jerry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Right, Jerryest Jerry might just be our Jerry, except. Uh, because of who he is, because he's not able to stand up to Rick, because he's so insecure. Right. Uh, that's Jerry to me. So that's my Jerryest Jerry. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. The, that certainly pigeonholes our Jerry. Yeah. It's funny because there's a lot of things that, like, I think that's the interesting thing about Jerry is that most people can relate to a little bit of his. Like, who doesn't yeah. have one of these? One of the many quirks that Jerry has 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 displayed, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, the one that resonated with me is the factory tent settings, like <laughs> that you know uh, he gets to run in. Like the Beth says, "Hey, who wants to watch Morty or Midnight Run with the commentary oh, track on?" And the first one that gets to the couch gets to set the tent set or gets it <laughs> right. to f- fuck with the television settings. And he's like, "Oh, the factory tent settings always too high." And then there's like you know the a gang, gangs of jerry's trying to figure out the hdmi cable situation uh-huh. and like 
it's I guess it's just like if if you relate to everything in Jerry's life, that's when you might want to talk to somebody. Yeah, you're not a functioning person at just, that point. Just tell me I'm not a, I'm not a, a full on Jerry. That's what I want to hear. I have seen you plug in an HDMI cable. Sir. Thank you. Several. You sometimes. had no trouble. All right. So there's there's at least there's at least one thing. Can I, can can I ask you about this? So when he goes to the basement, uh-huh. and there all the Jerry's are playing poker. The abandoned um, Jerry's. Yeah. Yeah. There is a hungry for apples sign. There is. In the background. What possible purpose in this place could that serve? It is simply a reminder of his failure. So that's the... Th- okay, I actually had this as a bullet point I wanted to talk about. Okay, thank you. It's because confusing Because there's a lot of ways I could talk about this, and I think they're all... Maybe they're all partially true, but like one of them is, okay... This is not like an independent Jerry zone. This is essentially Zion from the Matrix. Okay. Uh, the Ricks knew that there would be a few Jerry's that wouldn't accept the simulation. So we give them this rat hole poker CD existence so they can feel like badasses. But obviously going outside is too much of a hassle. Who needs this? But I don't need my fucking big head Beth. Okay. Yeah. Just there's don't patronize one. me. <laughs> there's one. Uh, and if if that's true, uh, it's also funny that even in this zone that like Rick can't. It, it's like either, he's either putting that to intentionally remind Jerry of his greatest failure, mm-hmm. or maybe Rick gets so little thought that he just thinks, "Oh, that's a that's a thing that Jerry is really excited about." So like, oh god, that's even worse somehow. Yeah, right. That you're you're yeah. you're so oblivious to like his emotional needs and desires that you would think that that was like a comforting thing, or man. But then again, it's like the joke there is that look around at the Jerry Burree, there is no level of condescension that a Jerry won't accept to get that security and comfort. It's true. So, like, that's why I I went on a real mental (laughs) hamster wheel about, like, oh, my God, where's the floor to the disgustingness in which which Jerry is being submitted to? I don't even think we can see it yet, which is... It was so promising. That's, yeah. I'm so happy about that. And I love that, like, also it says, there's also something that says about Beth that when she remarries, she remarries to a Paul Fleischman, who, mm-hmm. I guess there's nothing wrong with Paul. No. He's saying all the right things. Mm-hmm. He's almost sounds like what a Jerry would say in that circumstance. Clearly, Rick doesn't like him still because Probably. he's been dropped off at the Jerry Bree, so... Mm-hmm. Although there's just one of him. I bet more, I bet, I bet uh, Morty and uh, Summer, Summer hate him. Because he's trying to be their friend, not their dad. They need a dad, not a friend. Yeah. Doesn't Paul realize that? I, I, yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> talks about it. He says, you know, they need a dad, but they no one can replace you, Jerry. Right. But isn't that – that's other like another kind of fuck you to Jerry that like Rick doesn't even bother to have separate lands for – it's like, oh, well, you know, Jerry's not going to mind that in some other dimensions that Beth has moved on. and Could, could he be a plant? Hmm. Could he be there to tell Jerry what he wants to hear, to patronize oh. Jerry more? Like, oh, you know, no one can replace you, Jerry. You know, I'm not a stand-in for you. Oh, my God. That would go in with the Zion theory because, right. like, you want these Ricks that are aban- – or these Jerrys that abandoned to accept their fate. And it's better if they know that, oh, look, I've met Paul and guys like him. That's not so bad. I'm not a coward for abandoning my family at a daycare center that I can leave at any time. I just, you know, it's they're better. They're better off. Yeah, they'll wow. find someone like Paul. Wow, we just hit another level. <laughs> we just, we just went one level deeper, man. AKA read, reading too much into it. 
Uh, and then finally, the cherry on this uh, Jerry humiliation cake is the end joke where it literally doesn't matter what Jerry you come home with, at least from yeah. Rick's point. Like, Morty kind of protests and Jerry kind of protests, but Rick says, eh, whatever, and mm-hmm. maybe we've got the Jerry that we were supposed to get, and maybe we don't. Yeah, and I, I think this opens up potential... Uh, you can sort of now chalk up any inconsistencies in Jerry's character to, eh, maybe we don't have the right Jerry, you know? That's yeah. that's not our Jerry. Of course he's acting different. Right. It's another, like, uh, like this show's already like a 747 cockpit of these things, but it's another lever that the writers could switch at any time yeah. to con- recontextualize our relationship with Jerry. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of them switches in motion. Um, there's a couple other things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I really particularly liked Rick ripping the gear stickles off of Gearhead Dude. and putting him in his mouth. Oh my and god! And then the, the Gear Cops reaction to that. <laughs> yep. And how there's all the just like the the they had this box of twigs. It's kind of like our universe's version of like pocket sand. You know, like it's you probably it, it might okay. be it might be in an industrial capacity useful, but like it's just twigs and it's like the it, it's it's so fucking funny. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I in researching this episode, I found that one of the big influences um, of the animation sequences was this illustrator by the name of Vince Collins. Hmm. Um, and he there's two he's got two videos in particular on his website on YouTube or his YouTube channel, uh, Malice in Wonderland and Life is Flashing Before Your Eyes. I'm going to link both of those in the show notes. Uh, Malice in Wonderland particularly is very night night not safe for work. Yep. Um, you Does know, that have big boob anime ladies in it? Is that it, what's happening? No, it's just a lot of like, uh, I mean, kids, if you want to know what overdosing on mushrooms feels like, this video <laughs> is pretty close to it because it's just a whole bunch of very vivid imagery of body parts morphing. And it says a lot of things interesting about human sexuality and probably consumer culture. Uh, but mostly it's just really trippy and it's just like five minutes of like jaw dropping. But yeah, probably don't watch it in your cubicle. Right. Uh it's not so much the nudity and the vaginas morphing into breasts and mouths and stuff. It's just the, uh, you know, like, like I feel like uh, you, you're, you're going to want to watch that video and then smash McDonald's window or something. Okay. That's why it's not safe for work. It's, it's huh. anti-establishment. Mm. It's not the graphic sexual Subversive. And everything is one in the beauty. And now we say goodbye. Goodbye, Moon Man. Goodbye, Moon Man. Goodbye, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. 
And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, Jim, do we dare to get our portal guns out and go plot to the future? Yeah, why not? Where we open up our portals to Dimension BM-77 to access behind-the-scenes details, trivia, and spoilers for future episodes. I remind you, this is not shtick. This is just a nice, safe bumper to eject all you people that don't want to hear potential spoilers. Mm -hmm. Portal open. Uh, What do you got? I agree with Dan. This tag is not very good on this episode. (laughs) Honestly, get rid of this tag and just have the mix, the the Jerry mix up. Yeah, and then I guess you'd have to find thirty seconds to blow up in the mm-hmm. uh, episode. Um, so yeah, I yeah, agree. blips and chips, chits ad not doing it for me. I don't want to, but but you know, like obviously, it's like the first thing they said is like, well, it's you know, they they were short on time, yeah. So it's like this wasn't the greatest idea, but like, who's got three more days to come up with a better one? Nobody. All mm-hmm. right, we're shipping this one. Um. I want something that they thought that's something that they discussed on the commentaries on the Blu-rays that I thought was fascinating is the question. Why is earth culture so popular? Okay. Isn't that kind of a neat, like, but there's also, you could ask the same question about like, why, you know, if you watch a movie like the matrix, you know, it's made in America. Like why is Asian culture so popular? I've got an answer for you. Yeah. Is it cultural appropriation and, and it's super profitable? Oh, there, there's a lot of that, <laughs> a lot of that. Uh-huh. Uh, but in this specific scenario, it's because Rick is the most intelligent person in the universe. Oh shit. And there, everybody the... wants what he has and he has earth culture. Ah, see, I thought you're going for like that trope of, Super intelligent a- aliens that seed the galaxy with life just because they, you know, are bored and they 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 want to. Rick was created. Uh, Rick, Rick se- was created by Ra. Is that what you're no, saying? No, I was going to say that Rick, you know, as the greatest intellect, has seeded the galaxy okay. with Earth culture, so that he everywhere he goes will be a 
there'll be a radio station he can listen to or gotcha. a TV station that's accessible to him. That I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> that's why he finds all it's it's not a coincidence he finds so much of interdimensional cable fascinating because he made sure mm-hmm. that that was in all intelligent life's DNA to like just I I re- I'm really fascinated <laughs> with those primates on earth, man. I can't get enough of them. Yeah. So endlessly fascinating. Uh I also really liked the I wish they had done it. The original pitch for Roy which is they were actually instead of having you know Rick smiling smugly as people are just remarking on the crazy anarchist things he's doing, they were going to have Rick put on the helmet. He wake up as a little boy, and his mom says, "Oh, sweetie, did you have a nightmare?" And he just immediately cold cocks the mom, mm-hmm. starts throwing Molotov cocktails and like burning the world down. And they're afraid that that would be little, I, I like little Columbiney they mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. But it's super funny. Like, it is, yeah. The, the idea of, like, you saw Morty doing it, and then... But it's also pretty funny just to see Rick plugged in and everyone just amazed at what he's doing yeah. in the game. Uh, so I like that. They wanted to have David Bowie play Fart. Yeah. Which, which would have been an amazing choice as well. And, and makes total sense. Like, mm-hmm. I... Uh, and you got the second best thing, Jermaine Clements doing uh-huh. a you know inspired kind of David Bowie impersonation, which he's really good at. Does he do this a lot on Flight of the Concord? Because this is his shtick in Moana too. Yeah, I mean, Flight of the Concords is essentially just a series of of Flight of the Concords, Jermaine and Britt uh, yeah. songs, yeah, musical numbers with you know some comedy pieces between them. Tying them all together. He just did a rap battle with an evil entity in last week's uh, episode of Legion. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Uh, How's his rap game? Because I know his his Bowie alike is pretty good, but uh, I gotta say, I, I, I talked about this in the, the podcast we did with Jason over at Podcastica and Rima. Uh, little dad rappy, yeah, I could see it. But that might that might be maybe he wasn't allowed to write his own verses. Uh, sure, it's, it's, it's Noah Hawley. Noah Hawley's the dad rapper. I got uh, no problems, Jermaine Clement. Uh, but no, he's really good. He's really fun, and it's a bummer because apparently, like the thing that got out from the David Bowie camp is that he was like kind of too sick to do it. And yeah, it could have been. <sighs> That's a bummer. Because um, I, because they were like, you know, I, obviously they didn't want to talk about like, you know, it'd be a slam dunk. But I kind of think David Bowie would think the show was cool. I think so. Yeah, I mean, shit, he was in Zoolander. Uh, which I'm not even saying that as an insult. I'm just saying the man has an no, intact sense movie. of humor about himself, yeah. his place in pop culture, uh, the fact that it's inherently kind of a funny, absurd existence, but he's also cool enough to completely operate unironically. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and what a dude. Uh, there's a couple of just random um, facts that, you know, I feel like you have to point out or people get mad. Uh, there's a Mr. Me6 wandering around the Blitz and Chips. Uh-huh. Uh, helping apparently an alien. A lot of cameos. Yeah. Uh, try to beat the game, and then when he does, he disappears. There's also, in the background music of the Jerry Daycare, uh, the human music song mm-hmm. from the, uh, what was that? The M. Shyamalai Aliens? Yeah, M. Night Shyamalians. Shyamalians uh, episode. So I thought that's like, you know, it, it's so weird because it's the same thing with like the How About Them Apples campaign or Hungry for Apples <laughs> campaign is the what happened in a simulated reality like some kind of universal thing or it seems like maybe the starting point is like you're just playing as this character in the world they give you and then what you do from there is up to you yeah rick said that the the jerry Jerry berry was his idea that he essentially licensed to somebody else who made all the money so maybe Mm -hmm. that explains why there's a lot of things that seem important to jerry prime our prime jerry or yeah i I guess we should call him jerry prime uh 
alternate dimension or replacement dimension Jerry. Uh, a lot of the experiences the C-137 Rick has with Jerry informed this. And that makes sense. Uh, the one thing I that really surprised me, I guess, in this commentary is Dan's evolving relationship with the fandom. Because huh. uh, in this episode, I, very much in season one, I got the impression that it was sort of contentious. Like Dan, you know, had some problems with the way people interpreted what he meant to be ironic. Mm, sure, and sure. Just kind of ran with it, that stuff. But in this commentary, he tells fans, go wild, obsess. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. He's not going to judge you for it. Uh, he seems to have come to some peace. That might be that. one of them there pendulum things, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm waiting for the valley. Yeah, uh, where he says, "You know what? Fuck you guys." Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I mean, I got like one one hundredth, one one thousandth the public pressure, but like every once in a while, I feel like, oh yeah, you know, go nuts with the criticism. Uh, you know, it's like the, I want people to be able to tell me, and then there's others just like, fucking go away, shut up, leave me alone. So, speaking of the fans going wild, a lot of people made a lot of theories based on. The Jerry is getting switched at the end of this episode. Okay. And they hang a lot of this on the fact that, you know, since we're in the spoiler section, we can talk about future episodes. Mm -hmm. um, there is a connection in this episode to the Parasite episodes, the Psychic Parasite episodes. Was that Total Rickall? Uh, whatever yeah. episode where all the poop, Mr. Poopy Butthole comes out. Uh -huh. um, in this episode, Rick picks up a bunch of rocks, green rocks with these like purple things on them that he then dumps into a trash can in the episode of the parasites. And they kind of look like the things that are coming out of the parasites mouths. So a lot of people are making the connection between, oh, look, you know, even though Rick gives Summer a bunch of shit for the pink eye, obviously it's Rick to track the stuff back in. OK, so put a pin in that. So the other part of this theory hinges on the fact that Rick gets handed this ticket, 5126. Um, and it becomes important to the plot later because the Rick that comes up to our Rick and Morty with Jerry says, hey, do you have 5126? And then Rick kind of shrugs and they switch. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people point that that's significant because there's a lot of effort being expended in the animation to show that the, the, the receptionist person handed Rick this ticket that says 5126. And the theory is that this is like some kind of, you know, intergalactic coat room, cloak room where you've got a ticket and it's attached to your, you know, item, presumably a cherry, and you get this ticket and they match, right? Mm -hmm. And they're saying like that he knew that Rick was given the wrong ticket and was trying to switch things back. And then they fold that in with the connection this has with the Parasite episode and the fact that Mr. Poopy Butthole in that episode is portrayed as an old family friend. In fact, he's even in the opening credit sequence uh yet we have never seen mr poopy butthole before mm -hmm. and the theory is that when the ricks the the rick and morty came up and said do you have jerry 5126 was our rick and morty and we switched povs to this other dimensional rick and morty with that rick with that jerry that actually did have mr poopy butthole as a friend mm -hmm. and the entire i presumably rest of the season the series from that point we've switched this pov and there's a couple other follow-on theories that had, like, you know, this is going to be a way to bring Chromobulus Michael back so that he can break Rick out of the intergalactic prison he finds himself in. Obviously, things are wrong, but I think the latest yeah. version is this is just something they got in their back pocket if they ever want to hit the reset button. Okay. Yeah, it's one of those unfalsifiable theories, right? 
I, the ones that are just like a lot of speculation, yeah, not a lot of actual evidence to point to. I mean, there's nothing. I there's nothing inherently wrong with this theory. No, no, it's no. just more of like, um, why? Like it, th- this is literally like if Saint Elsewhere ended with the kid shaking the snow globe at the hospital, and then the mm-hmm. camera zoomed in on the hospital and started another entire series of Saint Elsewhere set inside that <laughs> snow globe. So that presumably at a certain period of time they can zoom back out and resume. Like you'd wh- have to have a really good hook you're setting up. Yeah, because you know when they switch this early in season two, like the Rick and Morty's that we've been watching for the last essentially two seasons are the Rick and Morty's we've established a, a relationship with, and yeah. like there's not a, there's not enough logical trickery in the whole world to like make you're right there's there's obviously storylines they could do or some kind of unification thing that might right. be interesting and but worth it would it. have to be so fucking interesting it would have to be to so fucking interesting and next level which uh-huh. that's the thing is like <laughs> this show is certainly capable of being that ambitious but come on that's that's a that's a really absurdly high bar to set for the show i agree and listening to the commentary tracks um on these episodes i never get the impression that they go out of their way to do that kind of stuff like this show is certainly clever um but it tends to show you how clever it is not Mm -hmm. hide how clever it is until some nebulous time in the future where it's going to all be revealed right uh it kind of does a thing and lets you know it's doing a thing and i i appreciate that Uh, you know there are certainly shows i like to theorize on Mm -hmm. uh this is one of them this yeah this is quickly becoming one of them um but I, I never get the impression from the writers that they're doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Because that's like fucking with your – it's fucking with your point of view. It's fucking with your emotions and how you feel about the characters. And, and, that's, and I think, that's yeah. That's the engine that, that makes this show run above right. all else. That's a dangerous game to play. Yes. And and I don't know if they want to play that game. So we're out on the, the secret ticket theory. Because I, I, I just yeah, think it's I mean, a good, it's To me, what happened is – that other dimensions Rick has a Jerry that has a five one two six stamped on him, mm-hmm. and he's asking. He's just tech, tell, heads up the other Rick, like, "Yo, you've got the wrong Jerry." Yeah, and then the the joke is that the Ricks don't really care, and the yeah that the Mortys and Jerrys are oddly kind of like if they care, it's not to the extent that they're going to hassle Rick about it. They know it's not going to have any effect anyway yeah like so can do what he wants it, it's not anything more than that but like i said the thing well that... also this isn't an episode where i just pointed out how dan's relationship with the fans has evolved and he's mm-hmm. like oh yeah theorize all you want mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. could that be something sly that he's doing to get fans to acknowledge or recognize that there's something else in there i, I that, that's ascribing a total next level kind of move sure not, not out of his realm of possibility sure. certainly but damn if that's the case and in season four we come in and there's some mind-blowing reveal about the you know the, whoa the pov on this rick is not real and here's the real one and we're gonna unify him somehow kudos to him but i don't see it yeah and i think that like i've certainly seen that kind of story like take place in comic book the world of comic books before like when marvel yeah. kind of runs out of ideas to do things mm-hmm. um it's almost universally seen as bad. You know, like, yeah, like I, maybe it, fans will get on board the new plot that they eventually tell, but, like, that transition is almost universally seen as, like, oh, come on. I don't think it's comfortable storytelling. Mm-mm. I don't think that makes people feel good when you fool them. Like, look at Westworld Season 2, man. That yeah. shit, 
made people feel real bad. And not because they felt too stupid, it's because they felt like they were getting jerked around the whole time. And they were. Yeah. They were to protect the secret, which, you know, that's the thing. Like, if, if the secret is more important than the characters yep. and the world you're building, then that seems like a shaky foundation. Because, first of all, your foundation goes to shit if any of the billion people on Reddit uh-huh. you know, randomly typing in sequences of theories gets it right. And secondly, just because it shortcuts all the other stuff that, you know, will work despite people knowing the plot. Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns and myself, Manayron, from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at baldmove. See you next time. Shut the fuck up about Moon Men!